Welcome back to the Indie Cornrows Podcast. This is Tom Lewis from IndieCornrows.com, and this is Episode 5, also known as the Jalen Rose episode. Jalen won the uh, reader voting on IndieCornrows.com by a, quite a wide margin. Actually, Edmund Summer slipped in in second place with 11% of the vote. And as always, I appreciate those uh, four people who voted for LaVoy Allen, the chef, Needed some votes, absolutely. So um, at the end of this uh, podcast, or not at the end of this podcast, but um, on anycornrows.com, when I post the story to go with this podcast, we'll have another pull-up for episode number six, and who will get the honor, make sure you vote. Appreciate everybody who has been doing that. A little bit of fun here as we get through the preseason. And speaking of preseason, this has been one of the wildest uh, preseasons you can imagine for the Pacers. We had a trip to India. We had some great play off the court. Um, we've had some negativity brewing. We've had some contract issues. And all of a sudden, as we head into the last meaningful day where rookie contract extension deadline was at 6 p.m., rosters are due. There's no more turning back as they head to the opener on Wednesday. Everything has wrapped up nicely here in the preseason for the Pacers. Demonis Sabonis signed a uh, extension to his rookie contract, which will kick in next year, four years, um, around seventy-seven million. I keep seeing different numbers. Uh, Bruin um, seventy-four point nine, seventy-eight, and then there's um, Adrian Wojnarowski. Reported bonuses that could bump it up to $85 million. How attainable those are, we don't know. But the bottom line is everybody's happy and fed as far as the Pacers core for the next few years. So you're locked up with Sabonis, Miles Turner. We've got Victor Oladipo for a couple more years. We've got uh, Brogdon. Um, so that, that core of, of leaders of your team are all set to go forward, and now they just have to play well together on the court. Um, and in the case of Sabonis and Turner, obviously that's a, a huge factor. So if if it doesn't work out, of course, um, one of those players will likely be dealt at some point. Although now that Sabonis has been signed this year, um, he it's not like they can go halfway through the year and just deal him if it doesn't work out. Um, just due to all the... Salary cap issues, um, there's a, you know, they call it the poison pill with this rookie contract extension. Um, there wouldn't have to be even money going in and out, but the team that took on uh, Sabonis' contract in a supposed trade would end up having to factor in his new contract and the, and the money into their cap. And it's just a mess. Um, so if they were going to be dealing Sabonis, it would have to be most likely after July 1 next summer. Um, if they were going to deal turn, they could do that at any time during the year. But, hey, let's stay positive on this happy day and hope they don't have to uh, deal either of them and, and everything works out um, for the two. So, But that obviously is is uh, huge news today. Um, kind of working back, back to the beginning of preseason, um, it's really been the ebb and flow of you know positive to negative news here with this team obviously with so many new faces coming in um you kind of wonder what 
this team is going to look like. And I know from reading and listening to a lot of the national media folks uh, previewing the Pacers and, and trying to figure out what type of team they're going to be, it's been pretty negative. Um, obviously, a lot of that stems from the fact that Victor Oladipo is hurt and his return is unknown. But again, we had positive injury news from him um, starting to play five-on-five five, um, yesterday. So we don't know exactly what this team is going to be. And, and uncertainty is not a good thing when for people in the prediction business or betting business. So a lot of teams are either staying away or shying away from from the Pacers. I know um, for SB Nation's NBA preview, I was um, asked to, you know, guess their number of wins and put it up against the over-under, which at the time was 47.5 games. It's kind of funny with this Sabonis news, it, it dipped a little bit, and I think it's at 46.5 now. But regardless, I felt that they're going to be under that win total this year just because of all the um, combination of, of a lot of new players, obviously. Oladipo is the biggest factor in that, and not knowing when he may be back. But also, I, you know, my concerns are still with with Brogdon and T.J. Warren, uh, guys with a, not a great injury history. So, um, you know, if I'm a betting man, I don't know that I want to bet too much on those guys staying healthy for 82 games or, you know, a big chunk of the season that is going to um, lead to the Pacers having a, a win total over that 47 win mark. So, um, again, would love to be wrong about that. And if so, the Pacers are going to be in good shape. And really, when you go back to the first positive part of the preseason when the Pacers went over to India and played the Kings in their first two preseason games, um, there was a lot of positives to take from that. And all those new guys showed what they can do and how they can make a positive impact for the Pacers. Brogdon did a good job of running the team. Their first game, they got down big early, and it looked like they may not be able to defend anybody all year. Um, but it also showed how many shooters the Kings had. My gosh, they had guys draining buckets from all over the place. But, um, you know, water found its level there uh, in the second half of that game, and, and the Pacers kept grinding, which is something the Pacers have always done. And lo and behold, they come back, and T.J. Warren has 30 points, including a, a big bucket to send the game into overtime. And I have to say, it felt pretty good about all those new guys. Um, Warren was sharp, Lamb is aggressive, and Lamb is long for his height. Um, and and then Brodden, of course, is just solid and can do everything. And I I still have, uh, after going through the, the rest of the preseason, I think the biggest issue for the team in general will likely be the defense and those guys coming together. And uh, it's kind of funny because I just feel like, well, they'll figure it out. You know, we put such a, a high praise on Dan Burke and his ability to take anybody's guys and, and put them on the court and get them to work together and play good de- team defense, even if the individual parts uh, don't appear to be that great defensively. Uh, when, when he's done with them, the sum is, is usually pretty good. And I feel like these guys, at least with their length and athleticism and and somehow getting that Danburg mindset, 
uh, will turn them into uh, much better two-way players. And uh, I guess that would be the goal for the uh, for the defense improving. I know heading into the final preseason game, I went down to that one and I asked McMillan how he felt about the defense at that time, and, and uh, he didn't give any hope that it was all good. You know, he just said that oh, they're they're still in preseason. There's a long way to go. So um, I was hoping to get a little bit of of uh, positive affirmation that things were going to be all right and that he was seeing the right things. But uh, regardless, you know, you got to hope if they if they can stay healthy. Um, and work together, everything will, will work out well uh, in the end on that. Um, other positive from, from preseason play, Goga Batadze finally played in the final game, uh, scored 14 points, shot the three real easy, real easy, and actually had a little bit of a baptism, baptism by fire, having to go up against Carl Anthony Towns, who played a lot of minutes in that game, and really went at uh, Goga, especially in the second half. And and you can see the speed, the speed and the size combination of the NBA is something Goga is still going to have to uh, adjust to and develop, you know, his body and his game into. Towns was able to get by him on the dribble and and pretty much have his way with him, um, but. Goga was able to give it back to him a little bit on the offensive end. And one thing I appreciated when Towns left the game, Goga was still in and he was inbounding the ball down near the uh, Timberwolves bench. And uh, as Cat was going to sit down, he kind of went over and tapped him, gave him a little bit of a hang in there, young fella, tap. And, and so, yeah, I appreciate a little bit of depth from a guy who uh, who's going to be a a beast this year for Minnesota, at least at the offensive end. So um, Goga's got a ways to go. I don't know. Now that uh, Sabonis is in the fold, I don't think they'll be relying too much on Goga. I think he'll play a little bit here and there. But, you know, just the way McMillan is with with younger players, um, I don't see him leaning on too heavily in that rotation. Um, I, I think it's more likely that they'll be separating Turner and Sabonis a little bit more often um, in the uh, with the rotation and, and get one of them out early and and then keep one of them on the floor most of the time, which which would be the best way to go with that. Uh, back at rotation, the other part of the rotation that is not set or was not set through preseason was a backup point guard. Aaron Holiday was assumed to be the guy that would get that Role and um, I, I feel he'll at least get a shot to start at the beginning of the season. Um, he didn't shoot the ball real well. He was a little up and down, which was what kind of what we saw from him last year in more limited minutes. Uh, but T.J. McConnell was rock solid um, and played really well in his minutes and actually saw those minutes expand a little bit throughout the preseason. And I know against Minnesota. Looked like he was playing on a hoverboard out there. He was just everywhere, continually moving, getting, being pesky on defense, and you know, creating things on offense. So, as far as a, a backup, backup, that's a really good option for the Pacers right now. Someone, you know, everyone's gonna enjoy watching play when he's out there. So hopefully, um, Aaron Holiday rises 
to the occasion and, and holds on to that backup spot and plays well enough to keep it. But if it doesn't work out, uh, I think McConnell will be a good backup to the backup plan uh, from what we saw at least in preseason. So in the ebb and flow of the preseason, that was you know the positive play on the court, I guess the flow of the preseason. And some of the negatives that, that we had to uh, endure throughout, um, there was some chatter here towards the end of the preseason about the team chemistry not really coming together um, as well as hope, you know, despite the injury trip. It seemed like after the trip, everybody was really together. But then after getting back and, and having a few games, um, there just seemed to hear some grumbling about guys um, trying to come together a little bit. And, and one of the issues, I think, is we got guys like Jeremy Lamb and T.J. Warren in particular, new guys, and they're they're really quiet guys. They're not, you know, boisterous. They're not um, real high-energy guys, uh, I, I'm sure, in practice, let alone in games. And uh, obviously Victor is that type of a guy, and he's around the team, but he's not playing. And um, until he's on the court, you know, you need those guys on the court to have that that kind of chemistry and energy. I think um, another, you know, Sabonis, another guy who's quiet, um, and and even Miles Turner when he's playing is not a real boisterous guy. So I I have no problem with Malcolm Brogdon being the leader, and he is, and he'll do plenty of talking. Um, and I think you know it's a matter of getting into the regular season flow and. And those guys developing that trust, which really can only be done under the fire of, you know, regular season games and being there and, and making plays. You know, that initial game turned out to be fantastic where uh, they had been playing, you know, poorly getting down big early, but pulled together, fought, got into overtime and then won the game. Even though it was preseason and everything, obviously um, it was a good start that you can start building on that that um, camaraderie where you can lean on each other and, and know that, you know, you're going to fight to the end and, and try and win no matter what the circumstances. So um, that's just something that's got to develop here. And obviously there's roles to be had as well, and, and guys are, are, you know, fighting for jobs. And so until all those roles are kind of solidified, it, it makes it a little tricky to get too close as a team um, and – and eventually, you know, you got to fall into those roles and, and everybody's got to buy in. And, and hopefully with the young guys they have, like Edmund Sumner and um, even Alizé Johnson being around the team, who, you know, their roles may be more sporadic. Um, they got to stay with the program as well and, and help build that, that team camaraderie. Uh, it was funny because I kind of came out and then, and then we had that uh, article in Bleacher Report which basically was a you know a long interview with Chad Buchanan and and uh, Kevin Pritchard, Pitcher's front office, talking about you know the culture they are developing and and the transparency that they have with players, talking about trades and and you know their expectations for players and how they're dealing with being a small market and not you know being able to go after those high free agents. Um, and then, you know, getting guys that kind of work, want to be two-way players. Um, and, you know, a guy like Malcolm Brogdon, for example. Players are asking for that type of professional 
relationship with the front office and the front office is asking for it back in return to make sure they're always given their best effort and, and being good teammates and good you know citizens and good um, represent, representatives of the organization and all that so that was you know a positive article that comes out and then a couple of days later we get we get the negative of uh Sabonis is not happy with his contract offer and and the Pacers have been trying to trade him now they don't comment on that and I'm have a feeling we'll hear from them that you know they were never considering trading him and and all that but you know Sam Amick from the uh athletic is uh well respected uh reporter uh and by no means would would he be putting that out there if he didn't have good information on that so whichever side that was coming out from it eventually helped I guess or it didn't hurt uh the negotiations because everything was done and sealed up before the deadline and that's all that matters really it was interesting though because it it made it appear as though the Pacers were offering roughly what they ended up signing Sabonis for maybe a little bit less obviously 72 million of miles turn I always joked that I thought they would probably offer Sabonis a dollar less than Turner just to keep the peace in the locker room but um the with that report it made it sound like Sabonis was going after bigger money, closer to the max, or you know, in the well into the hundred million range at a minimum. And it turns out it wasn't that much more at all. So I don't know which side was expressing their angst with Amic on that, but regardless, uh, it's all done now, and uh, Sabonis is in the fold. Other positive uh, came out recently is Victor Oladipo. Uh, working, running five-on-five, half-court, um, but at least scrimmaging with his teammates. And from all reports, he had no problems, and he felt well. He said he felt like he'd never left and, um, you know, just another step in the process. And actually, when you look at the calendar and, and wonder, you know, when Vic might come back, um, it's a good thing he's he's at least at that point now uh, if he's not able to run full court and scrimmage, um, you know, if you're thinking he might be back in two to three months, um, if you're leaning towards the two, I mean, that's going to be here before you know it. <laughs> I know the season hasn't even started, but it does in, in two days, and it's November in a few days, and then it's going to be December in a few days. Before you know it, it's going to be the first of the year. So um, if there's a lot that Oladipo will have to build up as far as his... Um, you know, forget the the health part of it. You know, let's say he gets to feeling healthy, then he's got to, you know, get that NBA game in shape, let alone that all-star level NBA game. And hopefully by the end of the season, we'll, uh, we'll be able to see some of that all-star level NBA game and the Pacers will be a bit of a force to reckon with down the stretch and into the playoffs. And in doing so, maybe they can prove some of these National writers, uh, that they were a little bit off on, on this team. And, uh, you know, I certainly feel better about this group of guys than I did two years ago when the Pacers had first brought in Bogdanovich to join Thad Young and Darren Collison. And, and they were projected to win, what was it, 32 and a half games or 31 and a half games, which they blew out of the water. Um, so, you know, I guess 
having that history just a couple of years ago seems like why not have this group come together and, and play in a similar fashion obviously um, it's a different group I don't think they're going to be as good defensively although a lot of the you know so with uh, Zach Lowe mentioned that uh, Pacers were missing the offensive Bogdanovich a lot of people focus on Bogdanovich as um, at missing that offense but it, it wasn't like he was a facilitator or creator on offense he just got buckets which was awesome and, and you know so consistent scoring but overall you know when you look at the Broadman and, and Lamb and Warren in particular in there instead they those guys can get offense and they can go get their own bucket and I think offense isn't going to be a problem for the Pacers it's going to be more on the defensive end as we've said and worried about so and I, I think it will help having some bonus in there for the rebounding and if they can work out a way where they can cover up the spread fours and or make other teams pay for playing a spread four against Sabonis and, and Turner um, that'll level it out then that'll be fine maybe it maybe it is a team that relies more on offense um, which will be very strange since that has not been the case over the past several years now but again I mean they have length they have the athletes um, you got a guy like Justin Holliday off the bench who it you know is We'll see what role he has in rotation, but you know, some nights if he's playing, I mean, he can come in and D up and you know make plays on the defensive end and also get your bucket once in a while. Um, so there might be nights where um, Pacers are leaning more heavily on defense to try and slow down another team. Other nights where yeah, maybe they'll go more with Doug McDermott, maybe a little more TJ Leaf, get more offense. Uh, to go against a team that isn't as strong offensively and won't burn those guys too bad on defense. So I think, you know, this team has more options, more flexibility for Nate McMillan to work with. Um, and, you know, we've talked about that before as a matter of how he decides to, to uh, let it roll. But looking forward to seeing this group. I think Edmund Summers is going to be a guy, again, a flexible guy that can make an impact at both ends of the floor. Um he had some great flashes during the preseason. And I think, you know, getting that opportunity, smelling that legit NBA opportunity will really propel his game. And, and hopefully he's a big impact guy. You know, you need somebody to rise out um, and, and outperform, you know, what their supposed role and or contract in some cases is for a team to exceed expectations. So, but if all that comes through uh, with you know, Sumner and, and guys playing different roles and matching up well and everybody doing better defensively than we expect, then uh, I think my uh, pick of the under will be uh, a loser, but uh, that'd be a great problem to have um, at this point. So uh, looking quickly at the schedule here, uh, kind of wrapping up preseason here before we get going and then um, we'll get more into the season with the pod as as we go along here but uh, the Pacers open with Detroit and the Pistons actually play the Pistons three times in a, within their first 10 games which is crazy um, but the Pistons are you know kind of a similar same old team they were last year um, and you know they got the big guys drumming 
and Blake Griffin who are going to pose a problem. Now, Griffin's been dealing with a bit of a hamstring through the preseason, and I think it's still day-to-day last I looked at the injury report. So um, if they catch him in these first 10 days without Griffin being fully healthy, that's really a bonus um, and something the team they have to take advantage of. But again, this this early season schedule is really good for a team that's trying to come together and hopefully they'll take advantage of it because after that, you know, it's going to be it's going to be tough. But I mean, you got Detroit three times in the first ten. You got Cleveland twice. You still have you know Chicago's going to be good. Chicago's going to be better than than we kind of feel uh, think about Chicago. We saw them in that preseason game, but. Um, they got some good young players, and um, Zach Levine's been playing better. you got Markman, and, and I love that rookie uh, guard, Kobe White. Pacers had no one who could slow him down the other night. So um, they're going to be a challenge. Charlotte down, obviously. Washington down. Um, so, and even the Nets, um, they'll be better, but obviously no KDs. So, that, that's time for the Pacers to get rolling, and it starts on Wednesday at home against Detroit. Um, still tickets available at the Fieldhouse, but I would think now there's been a lot, you know, I hear a lot of buzz about the Pacers, good, bad, and indifferent. You know, a lot of complaints, a lot of suggestions for what they can do better, and I know the worst part about the Sabonis news was that it once again highlighted the <laughs> the split within the fan base of people who would rather have Miles Turner than Sabonis or people who would rather have Sabonis than Miles Turner. Now they're both in the fold, so everybody, you know, coming together can all be one big happy family heading into the start of the season. Um, and I think that will help add some juice to the start of the season. Um, anyone who wasn't sure what to think about this team now, now they know the, the future of this team, the core of this team, is in place, and it's a great group of guys, guys you really want to root for to do well, guys who are smart um, and who will take care of the blue and gold and, and do everybody proud. And, and now they just got to take it to the next level and win more games and even a playoff series. That would be nice, wouldn't it? Okay, that will do it for Episode 5. Again, thanks for listening, and enjoy the start of the NBA season. And the Pacers tip off on Wednesday against the Pistons.